Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. It's January 9th, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where realists for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, a special guest, Congress Congress candidate uh, Charles West uh, for the Missouri 6th District, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a living is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Listen Now, and Player FM. You may also follow us on Twitter. This past week, we remembered and revered January 6, 2021, and those five officers who died from injuries or suicide in defense of the United States Capitol. Please let us have a moment of silence to remember and revere, revere all of those involved that day. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, are you there? Yes, Leroy. I'm here. Okay. Um, We have a special guest. He's here right now. Uh, You know, uh, let me go screen him, and then we'll get through these emails and things afterwards. I think uh, that might be appropriate because I don't want to waste his time either, but some of our email are pertinent probably to what he has uh, got to say and I, I sent him a copy of this so he can actually see what we will cover in our uh, comments and emails and the uh, uh, the rest of the show. So he has an idea of that. So uh, let me go and screen, make sure that we have him here. Uh, and uh, Jeff, if you just want to talk about your week and some of the things you saw, and I'll, I'll bring him back on just a minute. Okay? Yeah. My week was just typical. Nothing changes around here. Um, had a couple of doctor's appointments. I got a couple coming up, but all in all, uh, wasn't too bad. Uh, my Lions finally won a game. It's the third win of the season. Um, they would get the second pick in the NFL draft this spring. Um, we hope everybody had a good holiday and. We're still keeping our thoughts on the victims of the Kentucky tornadoes that happened before the holidays. Um, so hopefully Lee will be back soon. I'll start with the... Uh, First email, thank you working for a living 
for your coverage of the horrible tornado that hit Kentucky and other states. Name with help. Thank you, and you may still donate to Team Kentucky Western Relief Fund for ease of navigating to that, the right sidebar of working yep, for the home page to find all the uh, all of that information. You there, Leroy? Okay. Yeah, I'm here, Jeff. Thanks for uh, uh, handling that. Well, you've gotten really good at that, so thanks. Uh, uh, oh, I want to... Uh, let the listeners know, the brothers and sisters are out there also listening. Um, I'd like to bring on the show Mr. Charles West, candidate for Missouri's 6th Congressional District. Uh, welcome, uh, Mr. Charles West. How are you today? Not too bad, not too bad at all. I really appreciate you. Let me join you this evening. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. We're, I, you know, I, I saw you on, on the Internet. I, I thought, well, this is... This is somebody that, uh, you know, really cares about the people. So uh, I, you know, I affected a, a small relationship with you there on, on Facebook, and, and now here we are. So uh, would, you, would you like to tell us a little about yourself and why you're running uh, for Congress? This is the second time in the 6th District, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, last year, Actually, I, I was my first year running for this seat. Um, you know, I, I kind of got a late start on it last year. And to be honest with you, I knew kind of last year would be difficult. I knew, I did, knew it was one of those things I probably wouldn't win last year because it was my first time. But I wanted to make sure to get out there, get my name out across the district to make sure I was kind of known. Um, the reason why I was running is because of everything that's kind of happened the last well over 20 years now that Sam Graves the current representative has been in office, how little he does for our district, how little he does for our country. And after having long, hard conversations with my fiance and my little girl and telling them kind of what I want to do there behind me 100% and talking to the rest of my family and friends, they said, you know what, you should go ahead and do it. And uh, like I said, last year after running, and uh, I, I didn't make it past the, the, uh, the primary last year, which I kind of figured I wouldn't, I uh, had probably a few thousand people ask me to do it again. And, you know, what? I said, you know, what? I'm not going to make any decisions until, you know, probably at the beginning of 2021. And I was actually running for Clark County School Board again this year as well, or this last year as well. And I actually got reelected for that. And after that happened, I just thought I'd go ahead and announce I am going to run again. Uh, I tell you, it's one of those things. It's a lot of hard work, but it's one of those things I think I'm kind of meant to do. Uh, I was born and raised here in northeast Missouri. And uh, more or less my entire life I've been here. Went to school here, went to high school here, went to college at Clark County, or excuse me, Culver Stockton College here in Canton, Missouri. And uh, after that, kind of joined the workforce and been doing the same kind of job for the last 20 or so years. And what I do, I'm not a account manager for a company called French Groman Electric. It's now called Agilic Solutions. And what I do, I help multi-million dollar customers, factories, construction sites all the time, working for uh anything they need. So I help them on anything on the electrical side, uh, automation side, pretty much anything. We're kind of a jack of all trades. And then when I'm doing that, I'm working with unions every single day as well. So my main goal in life is to make sure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm given to understand that you have a a fairly good relationship with the unions in that area. So would you expand on that as you continue? Yeah, yeah, especially, see, I, I, I literally work with IBW pretty much every single day in my neck of the woods. I, I take care of the IBWs here 
and Missouri, Iowa, and Illinois. So I have really good relationships with all of them. I actually reformed really good relationships with the UAW down in uh, Wentzville, Missouri as well, and actually some of the UAW over in Kansas City, Missouri area as well. Um, what's nice is, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised from a union family. My parents are both union members. My brother's a union member, and it's something that's kind of in my blood. And I want to make sure to help as many union me- members as possible. So that's my main goal in life right now, to be honest with you. I want to make sure unions is what makes this country great. We wouldn't have what we have now today with our working conditions and what we have right now if it wasn't for unions. Thank you for that. Yes, uh, it's very important that working men and women uh, uh, make a decent wage and have benefits that are decent. And we support union and non-union. Of course, we're UAW-based here. Uh, with a lot of friends in the other uh, trades and the other affiliates, AFL-CIO. So, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you for expanding on that. Uh, is there more that you want to tell us about? You know, your current uh, uh, life that you have there in your community. You said you were part of, you were on the school board. You've been elected to the school board. That's kind of an important spot. So you have represented people then, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is actually my second time. I actually got reelected this last year for my second term for the Clark County School Board. I'm also a member of the Eagles here in Canton, Missouri, and member of the Masons as well. So it kind of keeps me pretty busy on top of everything else. So it's uh, one of those things I, I, I it's literally I try to keep involved in everything I possibly can. Uh, getting on top of that, you know, since I am on the school board, education is one of the biggest factors to me right now. Um, Right now, especially in the state of Missouri, they are so far against anything education, public education, it's about pitiful. It's getting worse and worse all the time. They're trying to make it where they're pushing private and charter schools over our public schools and going against everything more or less we've always stood for. And uh, public education is where we all got our educations. Almost all of us did. And they're trying to make it uh, for a profit instead of making sure it's a public education and make sure it's out there for the teachers and the students. And I'm completely against that 100%. We need to make sure our public education system is fully funded, uh, especially right here in Missouri. Right now, Missouri is 49th out of 50 for funding. 49th out of 50. We're all, you know, trying to get support from our taxes, local taxes. Smaller communities, we can't work mm-hmm. on that. We have to make sure we're fully funded. Uh, we're 45th out of 50 on pay for teachers. 45th out of 50. Right now where I'm at, I'm in the very northeast corner of Missouri, our teachers can go to Iowa and Illinois and make double what they make here in Missouri. And the only reason we're keeping our teachers is because of our environment, because of how we try to treat our teachers and how we try to make sure we keep this an environment they want to stay in. But I tell you, it's getting harder and harder right now with the state of Missouri. They're just working against all of our, our, all of our teachers right now. Right. Let me ask you a question. We, we've had some uh, uh, in the past some um, – uh, experts in the area of education on our show, teachers and principals. Uh, and um, one of the things that the, the highest level person we had here, uh, Ellen Beal, um, she seemed to think that, I think it's the Minnesota model, where they have, uh, and it sounds like you might have that, where they have one school board, one school district for every county, instead of like, you know, here where I'm at in Lansing, Michigan, I think there's 19 school districts inside the county. Uh, is, is that what your, what your what, how is your system set up? 
that's pretty much how it is here in rural areas. Now, when you get into bigger areas like KC or St. Louis or, you know, Springfield and all those, most of them do have several different school boards for whichever area they're at. Um, so it's pretty nice right now the smaller school boards taking care of these smaller areas. It makes it a lot easier that way. Right. But do you understand the value of having less administration, uh, you know, and the executives and more workers, and you know, get more workers that way and, and have more money for the for their pay and for the uh, uh, items they need for, you know, pencils and erasers and all the whiteboards and stuff like that, blackboards, whatever they might want. So exactly. you, you see the exactly. value of having less, yeah, right. She was very big on that. So I, I, I don't, I don't know where you're at on that, but she's, she, that's what she seemed to think. And I, I sort of agree with that personally. Uh, so it's nice to hear that you also have that in mind as you uh, seek to legislate at, you know, the United States Congress. So good. Yeah, I agree with that one. Anything else on education? The more money we have for our teachers, the better. Yeah, right. And, you know, I I hear these stories. I have a number of teachers that are friends, you know, that uh, in in many states, by the way. uh, And, you know, they say, you know, I take it out of my money to to take, you know, to buy the paper for the the, the poor kids that can't afford paper. I just read an article where uh, he happened to be an African-American principal that goes and works at Walmart every night during the week to to pay for uh, uh, young people that don't have, you know, they're poor, to make sure they have everything they need to get a decent education. So, you know, that that needs to be reversed to where they have enough without, you know, and it's nice that, that this wonderful man does that, but it's also something that, you know, should be taken care of by our, our system, I think. Don't you think that, sir? Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's the same thing with several people I know. Like I said, since I'm here in the very northeast corner of the state, I know a lot of teachers from here in Missouri, Iowa, and Illinois. And a lot of them do have second jobs just to try to pay for their classrooms. And right. it's it's ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. And I tell you, what, another thing that made it even worse is the tax plan that went through in December 2017 where people cannot claim those things anymore. It used to be where teachers could claim supplies that they bought for their classrooms. They can't do that anymore. It used to be where police officers well, and firemen could claim yeah. things. They can't do that anymore. And uh, it's right. ridiculous that we're, we're just breaking the system. It's crazy. Right. I'm, I'm well aware of that. It was uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, monies for uh, to unrelated uh, or related monies related to your job that you could – uh, right off on Schedule A, the old Schedule A, and they did away with all yeah. that. I'm very aware of that. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, and, and the argument is, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a teacher can't write off pencils and paper they get for their students, but you know, the CEO can claim a, you know, $150 lunch out with his pals, you know, or her pals. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, right? <laughs> So, uh, so you know, that, that kind of says it all about education. Unless you got anything else there, maybe we can move on to your uh, your next one there if you want. I know yeah, you have yeah, you, uh, platform candidates, yeah. Yeah, so, I have several. There's a lot of people that have two or three things. A lot of people have seven, eight, nine, ten things. I have five main things I, I've been trying to stick to. Uh, the next thing is, is well, for let, me is health care. Let me, let me, let, 
let me interject a little bit here. I, I'm past chair of the local Democratic Party, and I'm past cap coordinator for Region 1C that doesn't exist. It got, um, uh, you know, paid up by Region 1D. You know, they more they they combined them. But I have all the education on on the elements of getting elected, and having five elements that you continually beat is you're spot on, sir, for having your five elements that you've already, you know, let us know what they are. So we're real happy to see that you are uh, able to focus on those five things that are very important to our country. So uh, rather than three or five or a dozen, you know, it's nice to have the the uh, papers out there on a dozen, but, you know, you focus on your five and maybe one more. So thank you for that. I just wanted to let you know yeah. from my political math and everything uh, that I, you know, uh, that I do for candidates locally here and trying to do for nationally, national candidates, um, you're spot on. You're doing well. You're doing a good job there. And thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I uh, work, like I said, working hard to try to spread this information. And, and, and like I said, health care is my next one. Uh, reason why health care is so important to me, I mean, it's literally important all across our country, uh, right, and especially now. Uh, you know, the reason why health care is so important and so near and dear to my heart is because I've had so many relatives that have passed away from cancer. Uh, my, mo- my mom and my grandfather both had diabetes. My mom's fighting that right now. She finally got to retire here a year or two ago. And I remember right before she retired, she was searching what she's going to be doing about having to afford her insulin. Um, she worked and worked and worked trying to figure out with Medicare and everything, say, hey, what, what, what can I do after I retire about insulin? And after she retired, found out, well, what they told her was not true. So she went months, six, seven, eight months, trying to figure out what she's going to be able to do to afford her insulin. Um, my uncle, he was uh, he was a veteran, Army veteran. He had cancer really bad. He ended up passing away here a couple of years ago of cancer. And uh, several other relatives of cancer couldn't afford her cancer treatments. They just got to a point where they couldn't afford her cancer treatments anymore. Uh, it, we live in a country where you shouldn't have to worry about paying for life-saving drugs or medical procedures or paying, your, paying for your bills. Paying for your house. You shouldn't have to worry about that. It should be one of those things where that is taken care of for the individual. It's it's amazing how here we are, one of the we're the biggest country in the world here, we're supposed to be one of the top countries in the world, and we don't take care of our people. Other countries, look at Canada, Germany, a lot of places over there in Europe that take care of their people. And us here in the United States, it's a, it's a money-making scheme. All insurance, a money-making scheme, are these places, these corporations get huge profits off these cancer treatments and all these, uh, like I said, insulin treatments and stuff like that. And it just never ends. It's completely ridiculous. We need to have a start going to a fully funded and, and a universal health care system. We shouldn't have to worry, like I said, about paying for our medicines that keep us alive or paying for a home or paying for our vehicles. We should never have to worry about that, especially after you retire. And it's just getting worse all the time. And look, I mean, look where right now with the COVID situation. I have friends that uh, were in the hospital for over a month, and they got their first bill the other day. It's four hundred and thirty-nine thousand dollars. Their first bill. Yeah. How the hell are they going to yeah. afford to pay that? You know, yeah, <laughs> it's, never. It's uh, right. never. It's right. it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it is bad. It's just bad. And, and, it's, and I tell you what, I work with my fiance. She works for uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and she sees it every day on the way things are changing. I see it with my own company I work with. I tell you what, my I'll, I'll be honest with you, my insurance sucks in my company. Uh, it's pretty bad where you can't even use your insurance to get prescriptions anymore. I, I use GoodRx. Now, it's uh, pretty bad when you have to can't even use your insurance. You have to go through something like GoodRx, so you shouldn't have to worry about that. It should be one of those things where it's a flat cost or you pay a little bit, little bit here in taxes and your medical coverage is taken care of or your drug coverage is taken care of. We need to start working to more of a universal health care system, in my opinion. And yeah. I tell you, when I, I get elected, I, that's, so that's that, one of the main things I'm going to be working on. Yeah. We're pleased to hear that because, you know, a lot of us uh, support Medicare for all, and they'll say, well, that's a socialist program. But every other country, first world country in, 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 in or first, uh, uh, yeah, first world country in the entire, on the earth, is using a universal health care system, and they have decent health care for everybody in their country. I've had an opportunity to speak to one of the uh, doctors that were that is on the uh, he's from South Carolina uh, on the uh, board uh, to manage how doctors get paid and and you know is there going to be any changes in in you know upcoming and how would those fit and he and I had about a 45 minute discussion about how do you handle somebody like us in the union that have a little better better uh, situation with health care usually, how do you handle that when you have a universal health care system and these folk in the union still want to have a little better, uh, you know, uh, way of health care? And I simply told him, I said, you know, we'll get, everyone will get the same health care. Doctors will be fine. They'll get paid fine. They just can't buy four houses in the single year anymore. You know, and so, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they, you know, you have a house in, you know, uh, northern Michigan or one down somewhere in Missouri and then one in Florida and one in the islands, but you can't do it in a single year, you know, just buy one a year, you know, and then put your college yeah. funds away and all of that for your kids later, you know. So, uh, yeah. and they'll, they'll still make decent money. And he understood that. And how you handle people like us rather than put us in a, uh, a sink or a, uh, a multiple bedroom we would because of our elevated insurance typically we get a single you know uh, room you know uh, just yeah. a single occupancy room in the hospital that kind of thing you know you you're 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 you know uh, you get reimbursed we would get reimbursed like we used to for all of our uh, Medicare a and B uh, that sort of thing, you know, just we don't have to pay that, just like nobody else would have to mm. pay it. And there's lots of ways to fund this, and we'll get into that a little later, you know, like, because I do have a yeah. couple things I'd like to bring to your attention. So, uh, but let, anything else on healthcare, sir? Well, and, and like I said, I mean, it's one of those things we could talk for hours on healthcare. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's just like, you know, yearly, you know, I get my, you know, we always try, always try to get our physicals, our yearly exams. Uh, I remember the last couple of years, heck, my just blood work and everything cost me $1,000 for my yearly blood work. Um, my, my little girl, she uh, twisted her ankle, sprained her ankle really bad here last year. And just, just to, for an office visit and a walking boot costs over $600. And I know people over in Germany, close friends of mine that 
had broken legs, had to have surgery, had plates and pins put in their legs, and they got their bills 10 bucks. Now, here we are in the United States, and they just try to gouge you. And like I said, that's one of those things we could talk for hours on how it can be changed and everything, and it needs to happen, ASAP. (laughs) It needs to be be fair. You know, I mean, there's a local dentist here that married the the governor's uh, ex-wife, okay, and I, I looked at their place. I just happened to be, you know, come come across a bunch of stuff. So I'm researching all the time. They have like a two million dollar house down there on a, a real nice uh, golf course resort in Florida. You know, I'm, you know, okay, that's, you know, they work for it. But at some point, it becomes ostentatious, and it's just, you know, unacceptable. You know, so. Yes. But, I agree. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. That's, that's it. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, live live a life here in a two hundred thousand dollar house and retire in a two million dollar house. So, uh, you there, know, you but, there you go. There you go. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, because I check on them. You know, I don't let them just wander through the through the earth. You know, without being noticed. And I bring that out in my discussions as we go. You know, I go through the community, and, and some of my team gets the opportunity to go through the, the community so and bring these, you know, issues up and in an aggressive way because we're being met with aggression. So we have to face that with aggression as well. So uh, on, yeah. on to the next one, unless you got anything more on health care there, sir. Yeah, that's about it for, for health care. Like I said, we could go on for hours for that. But, <laughs> but uh, my next one is, like I said, another thing near and dear to me is infrastructure. Uh, infrastructure across the state of Missouri, here in the 6th District, here across our entire country, is just literally crumbling. You see it every day, roads, bridges completely crumbling all, all over the place. Uh, sewer water, look what Detroit and up there in Michigan still dealing with, with lead in the water. Uh, it, it's just getting worse and worse all the time. Our rural broadband, I, I live, like I said, I live in the very northeast corner of Missouri. I'm in a rural area. And I tell people, I said, what's funny, I said, we have Internet out here, but 20 years ago my dial-up Internet was faster than the Internet I have now. And that's saying something right there. Uh, Sam Graves, our current representative, has been in. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I I was just going to say that's supposed to be addressed in the Build Back Better uh, that was just turned down. And I know everybody's mad at Manchin. Understand this. I've, I've... Listen to him very intently, and there is some reason to him, okay? And I think that if there's anybody that's going to help to break down this division, it, it, he's going to be a major player, but we'll get into that a little bit more, uh, you know, as we go through this. But I know the Democrats are mad at Manchin. The Republicans are mad at Manchin. I listen to him. And I broke, and I know some things in, behind the scenes that are going on, and uh, he's four square in that corner, and that's a, some good things. We got carbon capture where we can, because we're going to just briefly you know, on this. We're talking about the infrastructure, you know, as we have roads that are going to be built for electric and autonomous vehicles, okay they're still going to need electricity. And mm-hmm. there are ways to uh, get electricity using coal with a new carbon capture method that I know absolutely that he's aware of because uh, the engineer that I'm a part of, I'm not in the team, but I'm 
I'm, you know, privy to all that's going on in the team. And they have, they have uh, uh, prepped him. They've already uh, uh, went in and, and uh, uh, had their little dog and pony show with him. And when he was talking, I absolutely picked the phone up to the, the leader of this team and told him, you better get a hold of him. We've already got that there. We're already there with him. We've already presented to him. And so uh, this carbon capture thing is, is really, really cutting edge. And they can drive that carbon capture down into the earth to push the shale oil out instead of using fresh water. So mm. and there's a lot of things on the boards. You know, they're, they're going to have grass and algae soon for uh, to make energy. That's going on in Texas because they're losing their oil. You know, once they make the transition, won't be gasoline used, it'll be electricity and they want to be a part of the next generation. So you're going to see get grass and algae coming up. So, But that's part of our infrastructure as it changes, you know, I mean, because it's not just the bridges and the roads. It's how we handle everything on the bridges and the roads. So I just want to interject that. Uh, you got any other thoughts on the infrastructure? Because there's, there's a lot going on there. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, and and reason why that's one of my biggest thing is, is like I was saying, uh, the current representative Sam Graves, he's the ranking member on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, and uh, and the time he's been doing that, he hasn't stood up for any kind of infrastructure. Now, since it's a re-election year, he's starting to put out there about how he's trying to get these bridges done or this and that and the other. Well, it's funny he never spoke about any of this in the past until it's an election year. Um, another thing, it's it's just like with the Build Back Better plan, you know, they had in there about broadband, all, uh, however many millions of dollars it was for the state of Missouri, and he voted no on it. But what happened, he came over back here to the state here a couple months ago, and he is in a panel with some people over in Clay County going on about all the money the state's going to get, but he voted no on it. So he voted no in Congress on two big bills. And they're going to give you money, and and now he's saying, hey, I, <laughs> let's do this and that, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, he's I constantly on it, fun. and, yeah. and he, he keeps going on about on the infrastructure, how he keeps voting no on it, okay? Like I said, he's the ranking member. He hasn't done anything in all the years he's been there doing it, but he votes no on everything. But now since the Build Back Better plan or whatever keeps coming up, he keeps voting no on. And whenever something's brought up about broadband, he votes no on it. And then he keeps going about how we're in a huge deficit. We're in a huge deficit. Well, you know, we've been in a deficit for years. And when the last president was in office, that didn't help any of the, you know, when Obama's in office and Bush's are in office, it didn't, we just kept going up and up and up. And what I love is he keeps going about how we're in this huge deficit, but he keeps going, we need to build the wall. We need to build this wall. Well, if we're in a huge deficit, what good is going to be building a wall? And he makes sure to keep pushing that wall story constantly instead of working on what needs to happen right now and to help the people of the here in the sixth district, Missouri, and the people all across this country. And he's just trying to push his own narratives instead of helping the people. And that's what just pisses you off because like I said, it's just his own narrative instead of doing what's right for his constituents. Right. Right. So that, uh, that's kind of on the infrastructure and a little bit about what your opponent says about the infrastructure, yet he's, thought, he's trying to take credit for it, the infrastructure yep. and, the, you know, the broadband that's gonna, it's, hopefully is going to be coming, uh, but it's promised at least. Uh, and maybe, you know, uh, 
Well, he's probably never going to vote for it, so uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to think that he might have the right thing to say. But I know you will. So let's let's get let's focus oh, yeah. on what your vote's going to be on these sort of things. Huh? So, um, mm-hmm. so the infrastructure. Um, what about jobs? Uh, you got you got any thoughts on jobs? Yes, yes. I tell you what, jobs, especially here in Missouri, they're just leaving left and right. I mean, it's completely getting out of hand. Uh, jobs all across here where I'm at here on the northeast side of the state, jobs on the northwest side of the state are leaving. And I tell you what, we need to start doing something where we're actually starting to get, bring back jobs to rural areas so people can have good, high-paying jobs and actually have here built-in America jobs back here in the United States, especially here in the 6th District of Missouri. Uh, that's another thing Sam Graves, he, he never works on. He never brings it up, never has, never will. Um, what I be what I keep saying is we need to start having some tax incentives going on so we can have corporations and businesses start coming in, coming back into these rural areas. And when you start doing that, people start moving back in these areas. And in hand, that starts bringing tax money back in the community, which starts putting tax money back in the local communities and back into the schools. Uh, we need to make sure we have some job creation and job retention retention going on. And when and I tell you, it, it's getting so bad where now about the only jobs you can find are in big cities. And you're having to drive an hour or two each way just to find a job. Uh, that needs to change quickly because uh, we just can't keep doing that. Like where I live right now, I, m- me and my, fam- my fiancé both, we have to drive an hour to an hour and a half one way just to get to our jobs. It would be so nice if we started bringing jobs back here to rural areas where we can actually have good, high-paying jobs here in the rural areas again. I agree. We we're going to discuss a little on on uh, what's what's kind of gone on in our country, and uh, you know I think you'll have an epiphany on. Uh, there's about three issues I'd like to bring to your attention. Uh, so that, but uh, you know, one of the things on jobs is anti-scab legislation, where they can't replace you if you go on strike, is needed, sorely needed. We almost had it in 1990, and then in '92 uh, we had a president elected and he didn't address the issue he could have but he didn't uh but anti-scab legislation where it simply levels the playing field because now everybody that goes on strike can be replaced you know at some point or immediately by uh, a permanent what they call a permanent replacement and if we had anti-scab legislation uh that would uh really be uh helpful so uh it's uh yeah uh, something still on the agenda. We we got close uh, on the. Uh, they pulled it out of the the, the bill uh, that uh, went through here earlier this year. That got stuck. That they had it in there and they pulled it out. So uh, we need you know we we need more people like minded in Congress to get that passed. And you know we need to take over some of the seats in rural Missouri and rural Kentucky and other places in order to get that to happen. And, and we support you four square for your position on bringing back jobs and making sure that jobs have higher wages. We really appreciate that. So, um, And there's some things. That's, that's the first thing on my agenda to educate you on. We need anti-scab legislation. And when you yes. get there, you know, there will be people chomping at you all over. I'm talking to a lot of Congress candidates right now that, that you know, we're going to, we're going to try and get you money. And by the way, anybody that's listening, 
on our Working for a Living page, on this radio show's page, you there's a link to Charles West candidacy so you can learn more about him. You can see all his positions, okay? And there's also a link on this page for this radio show right now to, if you feel so uh, uh, disposed, you may donate to him, okay? We don't collect it. We have a link that, that links to his donation page. So know that you can just go there and donate to him. It's simple enough, and $5 helps, you know. I mean, you know, if everybody gave $5, he'd, he'd, be, a, he'd be a successful candidate, right? So, yes, yes. Uh, Especially when you're running a grassroots <laughs> campaign. <laughs> Every little bit helps on the so grassroots I, I, campaign. I tell you, I'm not taking, no, not taking any kind of corporate money or anything. So I tell you, every little bit helps. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll see what more we can do for you. But we've posted that now. So, so we have uh, the so jobs. Uh, we need to bring them back. And there's some things going on that we'll try and uh, you know, get discussed uh, a little bit uh, about some things that are happening in uh, the corporate America and the global tax imbalance that uh, most in the United States don't know about. But so uh, your next, uh, uh, what's your last one there? Is that, uh, I'm thinking farms, is that it? Yes, yes, farms, especially, I tell you, here in the 6th District of Missouri, it's farms is more or less the biggest thing here. It's 90% of what's going on here in the 6th District. The 6th District is 36 counties right now until the map probably changes at the end of this month. Uh, and I tell you, there's farmers all over. I'm literally surrounded by farmers. I grew up on a farm. I worked for all the farmers around me growing up. That's what I did when I was little. I tell you, my first job, I remember when I was 9 years old, I helped my farmer shear sheep. And after that, I tell you, my whole life was working on my farm. We had cattle, hogs, horses. And I uh, helped all my farmers bucking bales of straw and hay and, and helping them feed all their cattle and helping them in the, in the summer, all summer long, and all the fields. So I tell you, it's, it's one of those things that's, that's another thing that's near and dear to my heart is farms. And we need to make sure our farmers aren't having to rely on, say, something like bailouts, especially when the last president was in office when he was doing all the stuff with China, when we were having to do bailouts for the farmers because we lost all that money. Uh, we need to make sure, especially our cattle producers, our hog producers, aren't going in the hole with, like, what was that, last year? I, tell, I know several farmers around me were literally shooting thousands of hogs and putting them in ditches because they were losing out on the money because the bottom dropped out. So hogs and cattle are just like, going to They couldn't, they couldn't get them transported. They couldn't nope. get them transported, Is that when, right? That was one of the issues, right? Yep. Yeah, they couldn't yeah, get them transported. They couldn't get them transported. Nobody's buying them. And, and it's just yeah. crazy. And what's, what's funny is, is that these huge corporations are making money hand over fist, but yet the local farmers all around here were losing their butts. And it, we need to make sure we have fair trade deals where the farmers okay. are getting paid what they deserve. Right, right. Yeah. We, we're working on that with steel, too, right now. Uh, yes. Because that, uh, that carbon capture is associated with the steel project. There's several of those going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, so on 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 the note of that farmers couldn't get the let me just ask you this ask you this question because I'm I'm curious. It just popped in my head and we have Jeff out there too, so I'm kinda of gonna run him through this, but Jeff is in, in, in the wings and I'm sure he's gonna ask you a couple of questions. But uh 
he, you know, he, he's, he usually defers to me on, on the actual interview. So, but what would be your thought <laughs> if the farmers couldn't get their, their, because of the transportation issue, okay, what would be your thought if the National Guard was called in to, to drive the S&P trucks or the, you know, the tractor trailers uh, and, and pick up the hogs and take them wherever they need to go so they didn't have to shoot them? Well, you know, I mean, at some point when the system breaks down, isn't government there to hold it up? At some point, is that is that a fair logical thing, or what are your thoughts on that? I tell you, you would think so. You would think the government would be there to hold it up, but in the last several years, it just doesn't seem that way. And just like you were saying, yeah. and just what we were talking about, all these hogs that are having me shot. Look at that waste. Look at all that money. Yeah. Look at that time, energy, money that went into raising these hogs to get them to market and ended up having to put a bullet in their head and put them in a ditch and bury them because yeah. they couldn't get them to market because the bottom dropped out. And, and guess, who, guess so, who suffers the most in that? The worker that needed to get paid to, to process it, to grow them, you know, raise the next uh, round of hogs because they get laid off. You know, so who, gets, who, who hurts the most? The, the, the worker at the bottom, okay, of this yeah. social economic ladder that we have here. But, you know, so we need, we need something that, that, that's in place. If the, if the supply chain management breaks down, that, that, you know, we have military and National Guard that could step in and, and you know, help it out for a brief period of time. I'm not saying total because that's, you know, that's as bad as anything. But, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's actually broken down, just like, you know, I mean, it's, it's no different than having anti-scab legislation. You know, you know, somebody comes in and levels the playing field. Government does it. They make the rules. Yep. You know, was it Rothschild said, yep. I, I don't want to be a part of the election. I want to be in, uh, uh, make the rules. You know, I want to mm-hmm. absolutely yep. be part of the rules. So, and, you know, a rule like that, I think, you know, is something to be considered in Congress, just, you know, just off the top of my head to help the farmers yeah. and any other, you know, uh, like kind company uh, that, you know, we've got to protect the workers in, you know, so the industry, I guess. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I tell you right here, and especially in the state of Missouri, another thing we need to do to help farmers is to keep China out. Right now, China is buying up land in Missouri like it's going out of style. And what it is, there there's huge hog producers and stuff like that. China is buying up this land, and the state of Missouri is just letting them do it. The state, the, right now, the GOP supermajority is just letting them do it. And when you get that, they start getting all these CAFOs coming in across the country, and, or excuse me, across the state, and going in without any public knowledge or public support. And we need to make sure we need to start writing some bills where we make sure that the land can't be held by China. This is American-owned land that the farmer should own, you know, and not by Chinese, in my opinion. And uh, we need to make sure right. there's bills signed and laws in order where that cannot happen. I, I, I agreed. We we have to protect our country, you know, you know, yes. and and we're at economic war. Anybody that doesn't think we're not at economic war is got sadly mistaken. Uh, before we get yep. into the last one, would you mind if I just go over one of these? Uh, I, I was asked something just before the show, and it caused me to be right, you know, right on the edge of being on time here. So, uh, but it it goes to I think what you want to talk about next, and I want 
I want to get this out there before uh, you um, address that. And uh, if you just indulge me a minute here. So this is this is uh, yeah. comment question uh, number three. Uh, I was asked, Leroy, I would have never expected you to equate January 6th with 9-11. It really saddens and disappoints me. Name withheld. Well, you know, thank you for your comment. Uh, I, I appreciate everybody's comment and, and your side. I appreciate uh, who and what you are. Uh, and as, as a matter of fact, this happens to be a dear friend uh, who works or did work with me at my last local union and a very, very nice person. Uh, I don't want to get into even um, uh, gender. So, But uh, uh, <laughs> and this is how I answered, uh, and my, my answer is as follows. It saddens me that you refuse to recognize insur- that insurrection occurred. In case you missed it, there was a hangman's noose on the platform on the side of the Capitol building, meant for the Vice President of the United States if he didn't violate his duties as directed in the United States Constitution. And that, my dear friend, is insurrection of the highest order, plain and simple. As a United States Army veteran, I remain under oath to defend our country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, properly defining such enemies or Marxists among us is included in that oath. In many ways, January 6th was worse than 9-11 because it came from our own citizens. End of my answer there. Oh, uh, I did say, <laughs> please tell me you're not advocating for the overthrow of the United States government. Uh, so with that said, uh, you know, I, I also took note, and this is one, one of the other uh, questions that came in uh, and I'll just handle this. We're getting through this here a little bit. Uh, the other question was, let's comment, on the one-year anniversary of January 6th, I heard Michigan Senator Peters say this, all Americans must remain committed to protecting the democracy of America. The person said, I, com- I, am, I stand committed to do exactly that. So... Uh, and that name was withheld, but that was another comment that came into our show here uh, or directly to us as uh, the, the team gets these and forwards them to me. So uh, Mr. West, Charles, Charles West, candidate for Missouri's 6th Congressional District, uh, do you have any comments about January 6th and your opponent's position on that? Yes, I, I sure do. I, I tell you, I agree with everything that you replied back with there. I, tell, I just literally did. I'm on TikTok. I, I've been doing a lot of videos on TikTok and Facebook and trying to get my message out there, and that's one thing I actually brought up on the anniversary. Um, everything that happened on January 6th was a, it's a terrorist act. I mean, that's what it was. It was a terrorist act. It's, it's a treasonous act by the people that did it. It was not... It wasn't one of those things where people in there went in there for a tour, like some news programs would like you to believe. People got killed that day. People died. People died afterwards. What happened? They were trying to overthrow our democracy. Sam Graves, our current representative here in the 6th District, he voted to not certify the election, even after all that happened. And he's one of those people that stands with 
all those people that did that, that went in there, broke the windows, went in there, shuffled through everybody's desks, went in offices, threatening to kill people that are working for this country. That is just wrong. Those people that's in there, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, those people are there to work for us. They're there they're to work for this country. They all went in there to try to overthrow this off of the rantings of a particular lunatic that was our ex-president to try to go in there and overthrow it and make sure that the law did not happen, that this election did not get certified. And like I said, our current representative, he's one of those guys that supports that. It's it's just wrong. It's completely wrong. We need to make sure every one of those people is held accountable for every single thing that they did. It's you know it's just like what's funny is people always go on to me on my stance about what happened during the summer of 2020 with Black Lives Matter, things like that. You know what? 99% of those people and all those uh, rallies were peaceful. Yes, there were some bad eggs in all those. And the people that did the bad things, I say, were starting fights, starting fires, starting riots. They need to be held accountable, too. But you know what? They were not going to the United States Capitol and breaking into the House of Democracy. And these people, just like I said, Sam Graves, these people like Ted Cruz, these people like Josh Hawley, all these people that say nothing happened, they need to have their butts kicked out in the street and told what's what, because they they do not stand behind democracy, in my opinion. They stand behind the Republican Party. It used to be, like I said, left and right, Democrat, Republican. It's not like that anymore. Now it's Democrats, it seems like, and the Trump side. And it needs to stop. And I'm one of those people, my entire life, I've always said it should be people over party all the time. It should never be the other way around. Right now, it seems like everybody that's in office, especially on the right, are all about party. Party, party, party. They forgot what they are working for. They forgot that they are working for the people. And like I said, the January 6th, what happened there, that was a terrorist act by every single one of those people who was there, and you can't, you can't change my mind about it. I mean, that's something that all those people need to pay the price for what they did. Everybody in the country watched in stark reflect the Capitol being attacked in an attempt to have the vice president violate his duties as outlined in the Constitution. And if he didn't, if they could have caught him, they had a hangman's noose where they were going to hang the vice president of the United States. And that yep. is simply, that was their goal, and that is simply unacceptable. You know, I, I want to add a little here uh, on this matter besides the fact that every veteran that ever swore the oath, it's never, it doesn't expire. We still have, and, and, and there were several veterans that came to my aid, because that was written on my page, uh, and not just my aid, but come in to support that, uh, you know, and my, my position. And I, I really thank them for that. Uh, and um, it, it's one of those things. But there were two Republicans on the floor on the 6th last Thursday, Liz Cheney and her father, Dick Cheney, former vice president of these United States, who was a mm-hmm. congressperson, congressman man, for 10 years. And his comment was, this place doesn't even look like, I don't even recognize, it doesn't even look what I, uh, what I remember it to be. 
you know, we would have, you know, implicit in that, and that was his statement. It doesn't, I was here 10 years, and this doesn't even resemble the building that I once served in, so many words. Right. So uh, there are extremes out there on both sides that I'm pretty sure that most all of us are angry about because we in the middle want government that works for us. Yes. We don't want it working for corporations. We don't want it too far over on the other side either. It's got to be balanced. A wise old man told me, there's capital and there's labor, and they come together for enterprise, and both sides got to be fairly treated. Okay? Mm-hmm. The company has to make a reasonable profit, and the, and the people have to be reasonably paid with benefits. Okay, that's a wise yes. man told me that, you know, and, and I, I agree with that, you know. Uh, we're going we're gonna to change this. I'm going to tell you some things here in a minute. But Cheney represents the silent Republican majority in this country. And, unfortunately, our former president represents the extreme out there in our country and witness all of that. Anybody that's supporting him or that narrative might as well be guilty of, and they're going to find, they're going to see charges coming up of treason before too long. They better be careful, mm-hmm. those people supporting him. Because this, they're already digging into everybody's email, their text messages, and that's for a reason. That's for a reason. Yes. You know, they, they better be really careful. These extreme, on both sides, on both sides. Now, on, on yes. this one, you know, we know what, what's going on, and, and they're digging into everything. And there's going to be charges mm. and referrals for charges because uh, the Justice Department can make the charges and the Congress can refer for charges. So um, everybody needs to understand that. This is not over by any stretch of the imagination. It probably won't be over by the election this fall. So we need yeah. to be prepared to defend ourselves in the middle, okay, that are sane here uh, against that. But they're meeting this week a group of people from his cabinet and from the White House who was around, who were around him, the last president. And uh, they're meeting to devise a plan to deal with this division. Now, the division, it's rather interesting because, as it turns out, uh, Vice President Richard Cheney, who is good and bad, but I respect him from, from his perspective right now, but it's, it's ironic that this is a product of the repeal of the FCC fair, uh, what do they call it, it's, uh, fair, um, uh, it's a, the fair doctrine yeah, Meredith Corporation versus FCC in 1987 essentially revealed that they actually took it off the books in October of 2017, the FCC did. Uh, that allowed these talk shows to go unvettered on one side or the other, causing these extremes on both sides. Yes. We need to get back, and uh, I think we need to put that back in and start enforcing it. Uh, And the reason that the uh, Supreme Court 
in Meredith uh, versus uh, FCC, they declared that Congress did not mandate the doctrine and that the FCC did not have to continue to enforce it. So if you have some thoughts on that, uh, you know, you, you might want to think about trying to get it to, as a fix to the country. Get fairness yes. doctrine back in on the books and actually passed by Congress so that we can, you know, stop this attack, absolute attack uh, uh, on uh, attacks uh, from both sides. Uh, and we yes. need to get back to the middle. There, there's a lot I, of people I, asking I for a, a new party just to come in and say, you guys can have, the extremists can have a Republican and a Democrat, and we're going to start something new over here. And there's a lot, you know, I'm, I'm uh, still, uh, you know, involved in, in a lot of the backdoor stuff in the Democratic Party, uh, and certainly they're not pushing for it, the leadership, but mm-hmm. there are people that are not happy with what's going on. Uh, in in, in yeah. my side over here, you know. So, and and we've we've had uh, presenters from the other side coming in and saying we need to fix our country. We need a middle here somewhere. So, we don't know where yeah. that's going. We how it's going to wind up just yet. But you know, you're you're all for that, right? Just I mean, let's get back to the middle. Yes. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, implementing the fairness doctrine again and, and actually making it law? Yes, we need to. We need to. I'm tired, and like you said, it's both. It's both sides. It doesn't matter if you're right, left, or whatever. The truth needs to be spoken all the time. We cannot be sitting there yelling and screaming one thing when it's a complete lie. It's just like with all those lawsuits that's happened with Fox News, and they keep getting out of it because they, when, when they go to court, they say, nobody should ever believe what we say because we're an entertainment station. We're not a news station. And they get out of it. The fairness doctrine mm-hmm. needs to be put back into effect. The truth needs to be spoken at all times. And not so, it, it, if that was the case, we wouldn't have all this. I, we're still going to have division no matter what. But there wouldn't be as oh, much yeah. we, we, division yeah, I, if, the, right, if the truth I, was spoken. And we need, in my opinion, we, we need back and forth. We need, we need to have back and forth because everybody has their own opinion. I have my opinion. You have your opinion. People listening right now have their opinion. All of us do. But right now we need people that's going to be in office that's fighting for what's right for everybody. Not not this them, not the select few, but for everybody. And I keep telling people, I said, I was brought up, born and raised to more or less speak my mind and speak the truth. And I fight. I'm a fighter. That's where I've always been. And it's always been saying, you know, how the Democrats always took the high road and the Republicans took the low road. No, if, if that's the case, we need to start fighting fire with fire. We need to start fighting back, saying what needs to be done, and stop doing this high road, low road stuff and actually just working for the betterment of everybody and working together. And just like you said, a lot of people are saying you need to run as, say, like an independent or something like that. Well, then you have these people say you'll never get elected if you run as an independent. Now people tell me, you don't sound like a Democrat. You need to run as a Republican. And I always tell people, say, you know what? I was born and raised a Democrat. That's what I'm running as. And it's because of my values. And the reason why I'm running as a Democrat is because Democrats are always, in my opinion, back in the day, it was always a Democrat were always for the working man and the working woman. That's what it always was. And that's what I'm running for. I'm running for the working man and women of this country so we can get ahead. 
And uh, like, like get, kind of coming back around to what we started with on there, we all need to start working together. The truth needs to be coming out, the actual truth, and the fairness doctrine does need to be put back into effect so the truth is spoken all the time and the people across the country know exactly what's going on. We get balanced reporting, not not yes. just absolute, you know, far, far extreme attacks and people buy into that. Yeah, so, uh, one way so, or the other, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, left and right. I mean, I'm not excusing anybody on the on the extremes here. You know, we 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 got to be more central, and this has to be for the working people. You know, I mean, corporates, corporation, companies need to exist because that's where we get our paycheck. We all understand that. But we got to have fair pay for and benefits for our people in our on our nation. So I want to bring something yes. to your attention. Two things, because uh, we already covered the the uh, anti scab legislation, and we talked about let's let's try and get this whole thing back to the middle. I think Manchin actually holds that uh, as much as anybody uh, chance to do that. And and uh, you know I'm not privileged to say everything I know about what he's up to, but he's reaching across the aisle and he's got you know, essentially got some uh, people that are ready to come to the center, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. there's, there's people in Congress that are tired of this. They truly are. and But yeah. somebody's got to deal with the extremes. So, And I don't know exactly how that's going to happen, but, it, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about it. I, that's all I can say right now, a lot of talk about how we okay. fix this in a, in a legal way, fixing it, okay? So, but... Uh, um, <laughs> There's, I want to I want to bring to your attention something that's near and dear to our heart here on this show and our team, and that's uh, something called uh, corporate life insurance, also known as dead peasants insurance. Uh, your uh, state has is home to the Walmart uh, uh, Walton Family Corporation, and they were one of the first people that instituted this and one of the first ones that got uh, sued and and lost in court. Uh, but what this is is uh, corporations take money out of the revenue stream or any other little pocket of money they can get it out of um, and buy life insurance on retirees. Not for the benefit of the retiree, but for the tax-free benefit of the corporate executive suite retirement pension plan. And um, so... They make money in the revenue stream. They pull out some and take it over, buy life insurance for their benefit when that retiree dies of the executive suite pension fund tax-free. Now, I outed the CEO of Ford, Mark Fields, in, on May 1st of 2017 for having an $858 million pension fund. Ford fired him. Yeah, Ford fired him on the 21st of May, and I'll report it. My son's house burnt down on the 2nd of June. Hmm. You know, there are no cons- or, uh, you know coincidences in my world. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so that's how dirty this is, and how how closely guarded this is by the corporations. What that does. There's the, the true measure of an economy is the velocity of money, how much money's in the economy and how fast it's moving. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Sally buys a five dollar or something, and Jim buys a 
uh, a five dollar something, and and Larry buys another five dollar something, and it happened, you know, in an hour, you know. So in that five dollars, it's moving fast, and there's a lot of people, a lot of Sally, you know, Jims and Larrys out there. So mm-hmm. you know, everybody else's. I'm not I'm not trying to be you know exclusive in any of these names, but <laughs> that money got robbed. That money got robbed from the profit for the employees for the stockholders, for the bondholders, for the communities in which they exist, and uh, the, the nonprofits that have been historically supported by corporations. Okay, all that money has been pulled out and taken and d- redirected directly to the top executive suite. GM has like 63 vice presidents, uh, financial officers, president, and the CEO. So what's that? I don't know, 65, 66 of these people that are benefiting by that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure that GM has that. I know that there's people out there that don't like me saying what I'm saying. I know that for sure. <laughs> that needs to end. Somebody needs to get legislation in to stop the, the corporate life insurance that's going on because that's a direct pull from the revenue stream that's supposed to be in our country moving around as a velocity of money, keeping our jobs here in the United States and making those higher wage jobs so people can actually afford gasoline even at 319 a gallon or more. So that's something that I would ask for you to have some consideration for. I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you about it. I can ask for your consideration. Please consider that. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yes. Uh, the corporate, and I agree corporate with that. buybacks. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Corporate buybacks have been penalized with the infrastructure bill. There was a, uh, a, a you know, a tag in there, a phrase in there that dealt a penalty, that dealt a penalty to corporate buybacks. But it did the same thing. Clinton, our president, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. I can name five things <laughs> that destroyed this country under his hand. Mm-hmm. And you know, so but yep. anyhow, let's just let's stay with the corporate buybacks, and you're about to see what Glass-Spiegel repeal is going to do. That's where banks were prevented from loaning money to brokerages, uh, and that needs to be reinstated uh, again uh, because they, they repealed it, and now, you know, they've loaned money, and the corporate, right now, the margin debt by brokers loaning individuals or institutions money to buy stock is 9186 Billion dollars, three two point three percent of the market. God help hmm. us when it unwinds. So, yeah. Uh, but the corp, corporate buybacks, okay. Another thing that Clinton did, uh, he he said CEOs can only make a million dollars a year, and and all of us in labor went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Here's the result. They started paying themselves in stock options. And then they took revenue stream money. Remember, the money's supposed to be going down to the employees, stockholders, bondholders, community, and nonprofits, and into the, the, the velocity of money to keep our country going. That got redeveloped yep. over there, and they just bought back stock, and it drove the stock up. But that was money stolen from your and I pocket. Okay? Yep. Everybody needs to understand that. Joe Kennedy said that stock buybacks caused the depression of the 30s to be longer and deeper. Longer and deep. You have to understand 
that when times got tight, they had to sell that same stock into a down market, pushing it down and taking money out of the economy yet again. So, uh, so that's one of the issues. Uh, the, the, the stock buybacks has been dealt with, it appears. We'll see. Because every time you make one decision, there's five or six things that can happen down the road. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Yep, with there's that. always right backdoor dealing, it seems like. <laughs> right. It seems to be arrested right And we're, we're working on trying to fix this political structure. You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I mean, the backdoor dealings, is, that's a reference. So we're working well, on that. So and, I and, didn't mean to be off And point. it needs to change, just like yeah. you're saying, these, these stock buybacks, and just like with what happened with the tax cut, you know, it, you know, Back, like I said, in 2017 again. So instead of money coming, they always call it trickle-down. That happened under Reagan, you know, when they had the trickle-down economics. And it happened again. It never trickles down. What happens, they do stock buybacks where they're keeping the money, the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poorer, the working class is dying. And it's just – and right now, well, there is no middle class anymore, it seems like. It's either here you are, you're rich, or you're in poverty. And that we're, needs to we're, stop. We're working class now. Working class. Yep. That's our definition of us. Yep. Even at, at the higher wage, I'm a, uh, just by example, I bought a 1976 Corvette for $8,200. I made 27000 that year. It was like mm-hmm. 30% of my wages. Today, that same Corvette yep. at the high end, now not the new one because they haven't got all the uh, Martha Stewart gingerbreads on them yet, but the last of the C seven, I think it was right. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm quoting a friend of mine. But, uh, anyhow, he um, the, the, we were up to 140 on that car. Yeah, I give you two examples. Yeah, and, so, and, so, and, and, and if my if that were 30 percent of my wages, I'd be making 450 thousand dollars. Everything else staying the same because wages have been suppressed. The other thing yeah. on the notion of uh, the Social Security cap, okay, we used to pay at General Motors, okay, in our high-wage jobs, we used to pay that off in uh, early May or late August, or late uh, April, I'm sorry. If And then you had the rest of the year, okay. Today that number is 140-some thousand, 142. If you pay it off at 142, uh, you know, in, in May, and you still have the balance of May and the rest of the year, you'd be making $450,000. So there's two examples where wages have been suppressed, largely because of, you know, the, the stock buybacks, the whole notion of debt peasants insurance, and one other thing I want to bring to your attention, and then I'd like to get your thoughts on all of this because I'm, I'm, I'm really throwing a lot out there at you, but um, this one is probably going to put you in overload, but... Uh, in 1982, at the G7 conference in Mexico City, there was a decision made by real familiar names like Greenspan, Jack Welsh, Roger Smith, that were all sent there by uh, the then president. And I'm not mad at him for it, but he's, you know, caused this uh, <laughs> to say, you know, we can't live in in an island surrounded by poverty in the world, and that's a good answer. That's that's a good thing that we can try and raise other people up okay and they said the rest of the world in whole or in part and especially the emerging countries 
will go to a sales tax and the United States will remain on a payroll withholding tax. Now, that doesn't sound like much, okay? But because they're on a sales tax and they can send their product over here free from any tax because they don't charge their sales tax at their border, comes here tax-free, that means it's 32% cheaper than our product right here making this, being made by the same a copper, uh, steel, um, you know, plastic, whatever, for that same uh, cost, uh, labor materials and superstructure. Okay, superstructure is uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the buildings uh, and, and everything that, that, they, that they make them in. So once you have all of those things considered, we were at a 32% disadvantage. And then in the last, you know, 10 years or so, corporations found a way to carve out about 10% of that uh, for themselves. Uh, so, that, you know, they're doing even a little better. Uh, and, and that's why all the dumping from China, because people buy their pocketbook and we, the trade deficit, we, we, had a, we had a national debt of 500 billion. This is going to blow your mind. 500 billion when President Reagan took office in 1980. 500 billion. We're at some 29 billion, trillion now. If you take the monthly trade deficit and compound it by the monthly 10-year Treasury note of the United States, that equals $29 trillion. Hmm. So that's the global tax imbalance. I studied that in the, uh, as a personal non-academic study uh, in 1989 to 1992. My friend's son on his second master's degree, we were discussing, he says, how the hell do you know about this? I says, I guess I just, you know, because he was just learning about it in his second master's program that was global tax structure. And there's a global tax imbalance. I mean, and this is not the only, I mean, there's PhDs piled higher and deeper people up in Boston at Harvard that concurred with me in 1995 and said, keep beating your drum. I says, why don't you help me be it? Because we, we got jobs we got to live by. And so on. Okay. So I've been on this for some time. There's a way of fixing it, charging their, their tax, their sales tax at our borders, you know, when the stuff comes in to our, our, our ports and, and just give it back to them. That levels a playing field to that degree. We've never seen this happening, by the way, because it didn't affect any of us, except that all 90% of the jobs left from 2000 to 2008 they left over to uh, other places, you know, mostly China, but all the other Southeast Asian and Mexico uh, entities. So if we did that, just give that back to them. And then stay after a while or even immediately say, we're going to start charging this at our borders. So that, And this, this is where uh, Trump failed because he got in trouble for Rule 500 of the uh, uh, what's called GATT, Global Agreements on Tax and Tariff, signed a one year to the day after NAFTA by Clinton. Another one of those things that, you know, he helped us with. Mm -hmm. So uh, GATT locked us in for all time, would never be sunset or revisited in a non-competitive global position. 
and this is the result of GAP. I mean, it's been around since the 40s, but this was the re revised one, helped by Bush 1, because uh, that was still uh, part of his uh, uh, reign, which just kind of bled over into the next administration. So, uh, but if we penalize that 10 or 15 percent, you know, some arbitrary number, uh, the, 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 what, we get, what we charge and give back to them, and we put a penalty on it, not a tax or a tariff, and say, we're going to penalize you for destroying our economy over here at 10%. But we're going to give this 7% or 14 or 12, you know, 16 for the case of Germany, 16%, but we're going to charge you 10%, just a handling fee in an effort to penalize you for, you know, taking our money out of here to the degree of $29 trillion. And, it, and not just China, everybody. Just to start that mm -hmm. program. And that would fix all of this. But Trump got in. He tried it. I mean, he had a good mind on that one. I'll give him credit. He got in trouble for rule, I think it's 500, uh, with all the rest of the signatures, signatories of GATT. Uh, and, uh, but there's a way to do it, as I just outlined. We charge their sales tax at our border that wasn't charged in their own country, send it back to them, and then somehow put a penalty or a handling fee on that so it doesn't violate rule 500 of GATT. And then we get that, dedicate that money to, to paying off our debt uh, at the United States because if this interest rate gets out of hand, uh, we we got a real problem uh, yes. in that regard too. So, uh, so that's my education. Do you have any thoughts uh, for you? Those those elements we, we went through the uh, anti-scab, the corporate uh, buyback stuff. It's been addressed already. The uh, we talked about. Uh, debt peasants insurance, and now the global tax imbalance. I know that's a lot for you, uh, you know, just <laughs> on this radio show, but uh, uh, yeah. do you have any thoughts on that, just at its first blush? Well, I tell you, the anti-scab legislation, I agree with that 100%. We need to do something about that. I mean, that that's we got to protect our workers, especially when they're – just like look at all the time. Who, who, my brain just went blank. The uh, Was that uh, – just was on strike, and they say he's going to fire everybody and then bring in all the scabs. Um, my brain just went blank on what company right. that was. Kel Kellogg. 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 Kellogg was going to do that. Right. Kellogg, that's what it was, yeah. Right. And we need right. to protect the workers that are trying to work for their rights. That's what we got to do. we got to protect them. Uh, so, yes, I do agree with that, with the anti-scab legislation. Uh, the uh, the fairness uh, doctrine that he's talking about, uh, I and then he's talking about the corporate life and life insurance, like I said, I'm tired of right. the rich getting richer off of our backs. I'm tired of that. That money that they are getting richer and all these corporate, you know, the tax buy buyback or excuse me, stock buybacks that needs to end. And the thing, the thing with that is, it, it, it's one of those things. It's just like in 2008. Okay, they got all these bailouts because most of these corporations are just running their corp their corporations into the ground. So they got all these bailouts from us, from the taxpayer. What happens uh, when that, when all that took effect is most of these people, all the higher-ups, CEOs, were getting these huge bonuses, millions and millions of dollars of bonuses. When the people, the working people, were either getting let go or taking pay cuts or this or that or the other, but the CEOs were making money hand over fist and getting all these getting all these bonuses. That's ridiculous. So that needs to stop, too, all these, you know, these CEOs getting all these millions and billions of dollars given to them while the workers are taking it. You know what I mean? They're, they're, I can't say what I want to say, 
but uh, <laughs> taking it from behind, that's the best way of saying it. <laughs> um, so the stock five I keep asking all for that, Vaseline, all that but I don't get any. <laughs> there you go, exactly, exactly. And just like you saying with with us, we're in such a huge hole right now as a country. We are owned, when you think about it, we're, we're more or less owned by China with how much money we've had to borrow. And it is a good idea, in my opinion, to start doing something that is well within the law to start paying back our deficit. We need to start paying off that deficit so we can start getting back to where we need to be. Um, so, yes, I do agree with that, too. We need to start doing something where we can actually start charging these other countries that took our jobs, that, that did and our jobs that went overseas or down to Mexico or wherever, where we can actually start getting this money back and start paying off what we owe and what we are behind on. So I, I agree with all that. Okay. Well, thank you. I mean, th- this is not a conversation that's new to me. I, I speak to a lot of congressional candidates and uh, uh, elected uh, congressional members, uh, Senate and, and House, and I have the same conversation with them. So uh, the listeners need to know that, 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 you know, this isn't just something new out here. Some of the old shows, I mean, Jeff will attest that we've had shows on every one of these elements. Uh, uh, so this isn't new to our team, and it isn't new to any of our discussions as we talk to, and myself especially, talk to candidates uh, or uh, congressional uh, elected f- officials, uh, you know, leaders in our nation. So um, I, uh, I'm glad that you see the value in that. Um, let me pull in Jeff and see if he has anything, and then because uh, we we've kind of taken a lot of your time here, but I do want to give my co-host <laughs> no a problem at all. So, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Jeff, you you jump in here, Jeff, and uh, and and that's uh, Jeff Brown. Uh, everybody should know, but uh, uh, Mr. West might not. But Jeff Brown has been with me since we started this radio show, and very very good man. And so, Jeff, you got anything? Uh, for uh, our, our special guest here tonight. No, I, I like everything he's saying. You know, we have a lot of friends, UEW friends down in Missouri. I hope they are listening to this show. Um, I would really like to be part of his campaign if, if I had the way to get down there to help him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, your support of unions is very important to to me. Uh, I come from a union family, family of workers from Ford, Ford, fourth generation. Um, But, yeah, I I like everything, and I wish you a lot of luck, and I hope you get in. Um, We need people like you to help the working people of of the United States. Leroy? Well, thank you so much. Thank you for and Go I'm going to, and I'm going to interrupt you there. I really appreciate that. And I tell you what, what's nice is next next week, I think it's going to be on the 13th, uh, I'm going to be having, uh, you may know the guy, Glenn Cage. He's from UAW out of Wentzville, Missouri. Uh, he's going to be mm-hmm. doing a Zoom meeting with me. So uh, I'm going to be doing a Zoom meeting with Glenn. I think it's, i got to see what my date is. I think it's the 13th. Yeah, it's on the 13th at, at 6 o'clock. I'm uh, going to be doing a Zoom meeting with Glenn. Uh, so if uh, I'm going to be putting that on my Facebook and Instagram and things like that, so if you guys want to uh, join in on that too, that'd be great. Like I said, every little bit of help is going to help 
tremendously, especially me competing in a, against a guy that's a multimillionaire that just cares about himself. So hearing it from you, from you, Jeff, and Leroy, everybody, I really appreciate all the support and, and uh, your belief in me as well. So I really do appreciate it. Early belief. You know, so it's, it's you know, early money and early support is how people get elected, right? So. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you for being on the show. Unless you have anything else, we'll uh, we'll uh, bid our adieu with you and uh, say good night and you get back to your family and, and have the rest of your Sunday <laughs> night to yourself. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we, you know, we we are absolute lockstep on all the issues with you. Uh, we need people like you in Congress. Uh, so those folks in, in that are in your district that are voting with for you and those that might not have voted for you need to understand the country needs to come back to center and this is somebody that's going to represent you as a method of center okay stopping stopping the the laws that have been lopsided and getting back to try and get in our country uh in a global sense like what i uh, the methods that i said on the uh, global tax imbalance that he now understands uh, there's ways of doing this to get our country back. It's just almost gone. And if it doesn't get straightened out with people like Mr. Charles West in the middle, in the center, a centrist, not an extremist, and don't paint him with that on either side, he is a good man that's going to represent you fairly. You know, And you have to represent everybody. You have to represent the corporation. But like I said, there's... There's a capital, the corporations, there's labor, and they, they come together for enterprise, and it needs to be fair and balanced for enterprise, both sides. And he's going to have to do that, okay? But he's, he's going in there to fix the country, and you need to consider voting for him. So with that said, thank you, Mr. West, for being on our show tonight. Jeff, I uh, want to say the uh, same thing to Mr. West, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is a very good interview, probably one of our best, and uh, we wish you a lot of luck. And we're looking forward thank to you your news. So yeah, thank you. And, okay, so good. Good night, Mr. West. We'll let you go unless you have anything else to add. I think that's it. Like I said, I really appreciate you guys letting me join this with you and, and asking me these questions. Let me get my thoughts out, and I hope you all have a great evening and have a great upcoming week. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank good you. luck, sir. Yeah, have a good, have, y'all have right. a good Bye-bye. one. Thank you. Bye. You bet. Bye-bye. I'm put you in. Listen, note if you mind listen, and uh, Jeff and I will get back to the show. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Okay. Well, Jeff, uh, we had Mr. Charles West on, and he sounded like he's you know on, on the home team there, huh? He's uh, really, really yes. wants to help fix the country. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yes. What do you think uh, about it? You know, good. Any highlights that you thought about? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, he's. I think he's a person that needs to be in office. Um, he said a lot of good things, and I support him 100 percent. How much I can. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, you know, we've had that uh, Ellen Beal. Uh, you know, she's an expert in in education and, and renowned uh, over time. 
uh, and her position was what he was saying, uh, the same thing. You know, we need to kind of cut down some of the administration in the school districts and give to the, the teachers and, and uh, this, you know, mm-hmm. the, the supplies and everything that they need. So uh, especially seeing how he's a second-term school board member, countywide school board member, so he gets to see it all right there in the, you know, everything because he's, you know, other places would have three or four school districts and uh, he uh, uh, gets to see all of that in his central school district. Uh, so he brings all, all of that experience with him and his life of trying to just live there in northeastern Missouri because, you know, people shouldn't have to drive an hour or an hour and a half just to get to work. I mean, there's, there's people here right. I know in Michigan that choose to do that. You know, I mean, that's their choice. But, they, you know, it's, they, they, they go up north and they, they live there and they drive into Lansing or St. John's or Saginaw or Midland, you know, and it's an hour, hour and a half, some of them. But it, shouldn't, it should be a, a choice, not a, a requirement. You know, can't get a job, you know. So, but it's happening all around the country, and it, that velocity of money is really hurting us. You know, when they take that money off the revenue stream and give it to themselves or pump the stock up, for themselves because of their stock option benefit that they have, and you know, rather than getting wages. So every time that we make a decision, there's always something else that we have to consider uh, in that. So uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, pretty uh, pretty good to see somebody like like uh, Mr. Charles West running for Congress. I, I, when I saw him on on Facebook, it's uh, something that hit hit home pretty. Uh, pretty hard with me. I seen him there, and I invited him on the show here a few weeks ago, actually. And we've been, you know, trying to figure out what's the best best time. And he, he, we concluded that today was the best one for uh, him and us. So it, uh, he's, he's a real good guy to work with. I tell you, he's just down to earth, and uh, he he gets it from the kitchen table level. Okay, and that's somebody we need there in Congress. So I was pleased to see that. So um, I guess we're going to recap. Uh, we'll let that other uh, stuff on the lead there. But you want to recap 2021 a little bit? I'd like to bring out the two highlights that I have. One is the quantum computer that can do, and, and the Chinese come up with it first, that we're all trying to develop one. But the quantum computer in December of 2020, uh, so it's quite close to the 2021 uh, and I think it was actually, might even have been announced in 21. But uh, it was announced that they have a quantum computer that can do in less than two minutes what it takes our current fastest computer 2.5 billion years to do. That's about 150 to 200 times faster than the human brain. So that puts in jeopardy any and all uh, workers, not just us, on the line on the plant floor, any manufacturing job or whatever our members are doing. But doctors and lawyers, dentists, uh, business owners can all be replaced with this quantum computer. So the end of work is near, and that's something else. We didn't bring it up to him, but I see him. He's listening. So, but uh, uh, that's out there. And, of course, Tesla... Uh, Elon Musk, the third Friday of August, announced that he has a working model of the humanoid 
that weighs 125 pounds can pick up 45 pounds center mass and 10 pounds out to the end of your arm. And his uh, uh, infant, infant humanoid uh, is uh, um, uh, designed for the purpose of replacing uh, workers in redundant and repetitive jobs. But I'm going to go back to my time in the military in 1969. Uh, I started there and finished up in 72, and I had in several warehouses across the world worked in because I'm a stock control and accounting specialist by military training. Um, um, we had a Univac 1005 that fit into five 30-foot trailers, one center and four backed into it. And that's our mobile. <laughs> it was our mobile unit supposed to be. Every time we moved it, we had a problem. We couldn't get it work for two weeks. I would take a 12, well, what was in it was a card sorter, a compiler, and a printer. And a couple versions. We had a million line items in my last warehouse. I, I was uh, a part of uh, leadership in. And I would take down a 12-card sort and need a print on a green bar paper. A day and a half later, I'd get that back. At this moment, I can touch that same calculation on this phone, have it happen instantly, and don't need a green bar paper printout because it can be put on a spreadsheet on this computer. Now, that took 50 years or better to, to make that crunch down. And the, the quantum computer is 100 feet cubed. That's 100 on each side. So it's still quite large, and it runs at 500 degrees Fahrenheit but it's also two and a half billion years faster than our fastest computer. So it's not going to take 50 years. It's going to take less than eight. I'm, you know, I, as you know, I, I, I'm technical analyst of the marketplace too, so I'm looking for that to come in in, in 2031, no, no later than 2031. The end of work is in sight. So... We need to figure out what we're going to do with all those people with no jobs, first of all. And we're going to need to have language soon that arrests any and all bad things that these quantum computers can do and severe penalties on any scientist or IT person that violates that sacred oath. So um, this is going to get really interesting in the next eight years or so. Um, so uh, I'm getting a couple of pings over here. I don't know who's pinging this Facebook, but uh, just don't. Yeah, we're good. If anybody want to jump in, just ping me, and I'll uh, get get to you that way. Because um, uh, we have a number of people in the switchboard here, so uh, including Mr. West. So if you have anything just that you want to talk about here, this is some more. We're just going to ramble along here about what went on last year, and it's a significant year, 2021-ish, on each month on either side, I suppose. Uh, that the end of works, it's, it's approaching. So uh, that was the technology things, uh, that advances that got announced this past year, and they're very scary uh, for, for a lot of us, you know, looking at, to the future and having vision for our members, trying to figure out, how to protect you, you know, uh, and, you know, at least we're thinking about it, you know, uh, so 
Jeff, you got any thoughts on that? That is very scary. <laughs> um, I don't know what the uh, next generation is going to do. Uh, how are we going to pay these people? What kind of jobs are they going to get? That's just too scary to think about, Leroy. Well, there won't be jobs. That's the point, Jeff. You'll have humanoids. Yeah, right. You know, even doctors, you go to a doctor, it's not going to be a human. You go, you know, go to your mm-hmm. lawyer. It's going to, go to a judge. It's not going to be him. It's going to be some entity, you know, looking like a judge, you know, a human, you know, a humanoid. You're going to look like a judge up there, but, you know, they, they're, the judge is sitting there today, male or female, is going to have some entity there that's 150 to 200 times faster than their own brain, the guy or woman that's sitting there, the judge now. So right. there's no job safe. You know, we'll go first, like the Nemoer quote, you know, that came after after labor leaders, uh, yes, we're the socialists and the labor leaders, and then after uh, everybody else. You know, I don't want to get into all of that, but we'll be first. Labor will be first, but it's not going to stop at labor. Mm-hmm. Not going to stop at labor. And we don't know what election elected offices are going to look like when there's no more work. And the work is coming. And I had this same conversation in 2014, but now it's it's visible. I had it with four congressional candidates at a, at a forum at our local county party. And um, you, you have to have vision. You can't just be stuck in, in today. You've got to look to the future at some level. So... Uh, so, anything else that you have that you want to bring out, Jeff, on 2021? I think for me, 2021 was a huge victory uh, for the companies and union members that went on strike. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Kellogg earlier. Uh, we have John Deere strikes. We had the Volvo strike down in uh, Virginia, which I went down to visit. Uh, right. A lot of these strikers came back with um, really good things. There was no concessions from what I can see. Um, right. A lot of them right. ended the two-tier. Uh, so that was the high point for me for 2021. The, the people who suffered went on strike for weeks. Uh, they came back victorious for the first time in a very long time. So that was my 2021. Well, yeah, John Deere, I think, got the best agreement. Um, mm-hmm. And they, you know, they had the same sort of stuff going on down there. You know, management's not as, you know, I mean, just, you know, they're going to be management, I guess. You know, we got to be better at it. Uh, right. Them. So and we're going to start... You know, there's there's ways of addressing that historically. I'm not going to get into that. I've shared it with one other person, two other people, and yourself, so three. And uh, at least one of them uh, got overwhelmed. Uh, And um, maybe, you know, when I put that in stark reflect that this is more technical than you might imagine in order to get our members the remuneration required for them, and there are ways of doing that uh, that are 
virtually unknown to the average unwashed factory rat that we all are. Uh, but I have, you know, went out and educated myself so that we can uh, benefit by that and hold corporations' nose in the mud and show them what they've caused and created and tell them you're going to fix this in no uncertain terms. And you don't have to be yelling or screaming or be out on some extremist platform in order to get that done. You just got to be smart about it. So, uh, so I, you know, I shared that with. In, in one person hasn't hardly talked to me since July. July when I shared that. That was our last, last real conversation. A couple phone calls since. But, you know, that was our real last conversation, and I'm, I'm sad about that, quite frankly. But uh, you know, some people have an epiphany that they. I don't know. Uh, they thought they had it figured out, and they find out there's better ways, and that's uh, kind of kind of sad, I guess. But uh, you know, we don't want to rub anybody's nose in anything. There's just, you know, they have their database and experiences. I have mine. You have yours, Jeff. And as you, you know, have been part of this whole operation, co-founder of, you know working for a living, I think you've grown uh, as well in all of this. Mm-hmm. What would you yes. say? Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. You know, uh, I learned been... a lot from you in everything that's happened in the last four or five years, yeah. yeah this is our seventh year, you know. We're going, mm-hmm. this, we're going into our seventh year. This is uh, season seven, show one. So episode one, they call it, you know, on the radio show. So, but... Yeah, well, um, uh, the strikes that we had, we, I, I, you know, let's claim them to be victorious. Uh, and, you know, they were good. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters that were out there on the front line getting what's due to you. We appreciate that. And we do try to participate when we can. Uh, if they're close enough to get to, one of our people will try and get there and, and stand with you. So we appreciate that. Uh, Jeff went down to Volvo for sure. Uh, so, and we stayed in touch with the uh, people over there in uh, John Deere. I hope that gets translated over to Caterpillar for our members there. So, we'll see how that goes. We got a number of good people in Caterpillar that uh, are uh, stay in touch and watch everything we're doing here. So we appreciate everybody at Caterpillar, especially our especially people we know firsthand. So, having said all of that, uh, it was an interesting year. Uh, we did have a new president. Uh, we passed a number, you know, a number of uh, bills and got them signed uh, that seemed to be helpful. Uh, some would criticize, obviously. Uh, but uh, in the end, we need to have that because if, you know, this... Uh, $918 billion in margin debt online, so you're going to see a need to have jobs in, in you know, just like we had the uh, CCC back in the uh, days of Roosevelt. We're going to need this infrastructure bill so that it keeps everybody kind of working, maybe smooth out the load that's probably coming. We haven't had a cycle reversal since 2009, March 6th. So, uh, 
I'm seeing it reversing here. So if anybody's paying attention, uh, you know, stock buybacks are back, uh, been penalized rather, and uh, the uh, Fed is pulling money out, not infusing money now. So it appears as though we have a top in cycle reversal ongoing. So if that margin that almost a trillion dollars unwinds, please be careful. It is going to get ugly. Uh, so that's about all I have to say about last year and this, this uh, you know, show that we had tonight was pretty incredible. I, I was real impressed with him. You know, he's just out there. Yes. Already been representing people in the school board. And you you learn a lot of stuff on the school board. People don't realize how much you learn on the school board as a school board official, just even, you know, a member uh, on the school board, not even, you know, a chair or anything. So, uh, but I'm, I'm pleased to, uh, to have him on the show tonight. We'll look forward to some others uh, as time goes on. I, we got a couple in the wings that are, uh, you know, Probably got green, green around them now. It's a little jealous, envious. Uh, we'll try and get them on. We'll work on some. We'll work in some people that are centrists, that are out for good people, like this Mr. Charles West, sixth sixth district of Missouri. And please consider him. And again, you can find more information uh, on this very page on our, you know, for our uh, working for a living for the radio show page, and. It, uh, there's a link there to his website so you can learn more about him on his five points that he talked about. And I'm sure he's got some other uh, papers that he's writing on other points because he's going to be inundated with um, these uh, questionnaires from all every side. They're going to start asking him. And, you know, he's, he'll have support. I believe the farmers see the value in uh, – uh, the centrist approach rather than the extreme approach that in in when they get needy, like we talked about, that, uh, you know, a, a moderate approach would be to make sure that they have what they need. In, in the case of transportation, we have the National Guard, right? They should have just, mar- you know, got it up and running. It just didn't happen nationwide. And that's a failure of leadership at that particular time. I want you to think about who was there. Right? Think about it. who was there. And that's a failure of leadership. So uh, we should have had that supply chain management shored up with government and, you know, support for the brief time that they needed. The farmers need this. We need them. Okay? You know, and, and in the end, who didn't get paid? Who got laid off? By the way, speaking of layoffs, God, I, I almost forgot. Last year, uh, this is last year as a recap. Of course, in 2020, in uh, March, they they passed. Well, in, in May, they passed it retroactive to March for the CARES Act, which was introduced, by the way, January 23rd of 2019, ten and a half months before patient one. Not to be any conspiracy theorist, but that's a fact. Ten and a half months before patient one, the CARES Act was introduced by a Congress mem- a member from Connecticut. And anyhow, they, they did uh, pass what's called a PUA, Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, and they allowed these uh, 
qualifications. Well, in June of 2021, Congress met and they changed the qualifications, made it retroactive, and trying to take money back from people that qualified originally but now don't qualify because they retroactively changed the requirement. How about that one? Government's supposed to be consistent, so they gave it to them when they needed the money in the economy, and now they're trying to take it back when it's a little better. That's, uh, you know, Indian given if I've ever heard it. Not to be demeaning of the Indians, but, you know, that's just a term for giving, taking something back that you shouldn't. Uh, so, uh, in fact, you know, one of my very best friends, Benny, you hear me talking about him, is an Indian, and I love him dearly. He's an iron worker, and uh, he's a very good man. Uh, I really care about my friend Benny, and I go see him as I can because he doesn't drive anymore. Uh, and take him where he needs to go, go to dinner and pick up whatever at that time. But so Congress did that, and uh, now <laughs> in Michigan, based on the change in the law, they said, oh, there's $3 million overpaid to the people in Michigan in unemployment. No, you changed the rules, and now you say that you overpaid them. So yours truly, who is an advocate and helper for a lot of people in the community, especially in this instance with the unemployment, I'm writing protests and appeals to make sure they're all good. You know, I mean, I, I know somebody real close and dear uh, that they didn't send an email or a snail mail, put it in their account. You have 48 hours to provide all of this information. Oh, by the way, You've already got that, okay, information. We're just messing with you to see if you can perform in 48 hours without other official notice, email, or snail mail, only in this account that's been closed since September 4. Uh, that happened in the early part of December to somebody we know. So it's getting a little ridiculous out there with the government. they got to kind of stop what they're doing and start doing the right thing. Don't reverse previous qualifications, requirements, you know, and then make them reactive or retroactive. So that was that was another thing that happened in 2021. And, of course, everybody's going, well, there's so much fraud. Look at how much they overpaid them. And no, you changed the law and caused that overpayment. So um, just to put that in stark reflect, if you Republicans are listening out there saying that was everybody was overpaid, no, they weren't overpaid. They changed the requirement and tried to steal money back from them. Well, they're trying, I guess. The people that I know, they're not getting it because, you know, I'm pretty good at defending people. So anyhow, uh, with that said, Jeff, uh, let's wrap this up. We're getting a little long in the tooth here, a couple hours tonight, uh, hour and 51 minutes so far. You have a good night, sir, and a good week. Um, uh, everybody that's listening around the world, our friends in Canada and Mexico, all of our friends in the United States, Union and non-Union, and especially our UAW brothers and sisters, retired and active, have a safe and happy week ahead. And God bless our country, the United States of America. Good night to all of you, and good night, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Good night.